Ephesians, the third chapter. If you will, open your Bibles there, and we are going to look, begin reading in the 14th verse, and I believe we're going to either read one verse or six. But remember, this is written as a letter, not chapter and verse. And chapter and verse is so people aren't still looking in their Bibles, right? You can find. So just because a chapter starts doesn't mean a thought ended. Just because a note is put in your Bible, you know, separating verse 13 from 14 doesn't mean a thought ended. That's important. Somebody said that. So, amen? You could be dismissed. No? Notice how verse 14 starts. He said, for this reason. Is that how you would start a letter? For this reason. That usually sounds like, you know, hey, uh, your tires are low. For this reason, you're hearing a noise. For this reason, the tires being low, uh, your gas mileage is dropping. Because your tires are low, for this reason, it affects the handling of the car and that's why you kind of get a little squishy ride and it doesn't feel like you're just where you need to be on the road. Right? And uh, so if he starts off saying, for this reason. Then there was something he might have been talking about. We had friends growing up that were in a Jeep club, and what they would do was they would pull their Jeeps to the desert behind their trucks and their campers. You know, it was before people usually, back then, a lot of them didn't have trailers. But if they pulled a Jeep, they would have a camper, and they were in this club. And so uh, they, some of the guys would carry two sets of tires for their Jeep because one set, when they're in the sand, would be really low, you know, the inflate, inflation level, and you couldn't drive real well on the highway or pull it, so they'd switch and put these other tires on that were inflated more. For that reason, they carried an extra set. But our neighbor was actually literally a genius, at, you know, like by man's standard, and he has patents on different things and stuff, and he actually has the patent on the mule, you know, that the military uses. And he has a patent on a four-wheel bike, and he has some stuff he made for transfer cases, you know, uh, for different things like that. But one thing he did was, I believe it was out of an old Cadillac, he took a compressor uh, for, I guess, the air shocks or the ride, and he attached it and he started doing it for the other guys in this Jeep club and made uh, all they had to do is tighten one bolt, put an extra belt, he put a pulley on, and each person had their own compressor so you didn't have to bring an extra set of tires. You just deflate your tires. And then he'd just put that pulley on and put the cord and pump up each tire. And for that reason, 
because he couldn't drive like that, with, or he would have to carry, for that reason, he put a compressor. So, that being said, if he said, for this reason, what has he been talking about? What have we looked at? Paul talked about how there is a divine purpose in his life and really in our lives. There is a plan and there is a purpose. And he was just talking about how there was giftings to carry out God's plan in the earth and how God wanted to use him to affect people. God wants to use everybody to affect people. We talked about that, and there's different degrees of how God works in different ways. God works through each individual. And so we talked about that. And uh, he talked, because he talked about it here. And he talked about this gift and how he labored or did different things and how he was given uh, knowledge about truths that are shared in the Bible, and he said, my job is to share this to help saints and to reach people. But all of us have a gifting inside of us that are saved. Every person who knows the Lord has something in them. But it's interesting, he says this in verse 14, for this reason... For this reason. In other words, I have a gift. I have a call. We all have a gift. We all have a call. We all have a purpose. Nobody is without a purpose. No no believer. And so he said, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because I have this call on my life, and I have a purpose in my life, which is to reveal the gospel, to help saints to grow. He was totally saying, I live this life, this is what I do. He said, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord, or my Lord, Jesus Christ. And then he said this, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. In other words, part of the family of God is on the earth. They're the ones who are Jesus's, and then the ones who have died that were Jesus's are in heaven, and the whole family is named by the same name. And then it says that he would grant you. And then he starts talking or about how he would pray to God. But here's the interesting thing, and maybe something to consider here. Is this bowing of the knee uh, just a prop, a posture for prayer? When we were little, we were taught. Let's. I remember when I was five years old and gave my life to the Lord. We were in my mom and dad's bedroom. He was at work. My brother was there. I was there. I remember they had this big bluey, greeny, like turquoisey bedspread, and they had a big bed, and I got on one side, my mom was on the other, and my brother was on, you know, like side, side, and then the foot. It was a big bed, and, and I remember bowing my knee right there 
and giving my life to the Lord. Then we would see pictures of people bowing and then they pray and they would clasp their hands. How many of you see things in artwork, pictures of people when they pray, maybe their dog's next to them, it's right before they go to bed, they bow next to the bed, they put their hands like this, and they bow their knees. Is bowing the knee a posture that is profitable for prayer? Is the physical act of bowing the knee going to benefit you in prayer? Is that what he's talking about here? Do you know in the New Testament there's never a time uh, that says bow your knee and pray in the name of Jesus? What's this bow the knee business? I wonder if we've been religiously taught and maybe we think the appropriate way to pray is you bow your knees. Or it does something special. I guess the question would be, does it do something special if you bow your knees when you pray? What if I don't bow my knee when I pray, but someone else does? Is it benefiting them? What if they bow their knee and practice this practice of bowing their knee, and they, they bow their knee and they say, oh, Father, you know, or they bow both knees and they pray, and then they get up and then they live rebellious they live their own life Monday through Saturday, but then come Sunday, they bow in church. The altar's open. You know, their altar benches in old churches, you know, where they'd, you'd come down front and you'd bow your knees to pray. Does bowing the knee really help in prayer? Is that what he's saying he's doing? Or is the term bowing the knees mentioned in other places in Scripture? See, what he's saying is I have a purpose in my life. God has a destiny for my life. Therefore, I bow my knees to the Father. But if you're only thinking physical bowing of the knee, you might miss it. I said, you might miss it. Because if I bow my knee, but I live my life however I want to, but I bow my knee every time I pray, is that really producing anything in me or for me? What if bowing the knee is a symbol and a sign in the Bible of submission? In other words, when Jesus was tempted by the devil, what was one of the things he said? He said, I'll give you all this, but what you need to do is bow 
down and worship and serve me. Jesus said, I will, it's written here to worship and serve the Lord God only. What did he want him to do? Bow? Did that mean just one act? No, what he meant is become in submission. So when he's talking about bowing the knees, he's really talking about the posture of your life. Who are you submitted to? He said, for this reason, because I've got a call on my life, I bring my will down and I bow my knees. In other words, I don't stand up to my own ways of life. I literally live for what God wants and what He directs me to do. Because here's an interesting thing. And this, I think, we need to think about. His lordship is always tested in your life. Always. It doesn't matter how much you pray, His lordship is always tested in the believer's life. And you are constantly going to be having to bow your knees. In those days back then, it was a sign of submission. Not just, okay, I'm bowing. It's when you're challenged in life and, and he deals with you about something, will you bow your knee in submission and do it? That's the bowing of the knee. Not a posture for prayer, but it could be used as a posture for prayer if I'm already postured that way inside that I, I do whatever you say. And not just say it, but I do it. That's really what bowing the knee is. Remember in, in Philippians, the second chapter, when we're taught about Jesus, how he humbled himself and became obedient to the death, even the death of the cross. It says, therefore, God has also highly exalted him. And then look at the verses after. And he gave him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. What does that mean? That picture is that through the name and the authority that is in the name of Jesus, things submit. That's why they said, come out in Jesus' name, and devils submitted. They bowed. And so the terms, I bow my knees, is really him saying it like this. I have submitted my life and my lifestyle to God to do whatever he deals with me about. That's why I said we'll always come to challenging times in our lives when the Lord will ask us to do something and lay something aside, pick something up, keep following, don't do that, do this, and then I have to either bow my knees or walk on and do that. And so when he said, I bow my knees unto the Father, he's talking this, about this in general terms of his lifestyle to reach people, to follow after God's plan, because if I don't bow my knee, 
then I'm not going to follow his plan. And bowing the knee is not like, oh, let's all come up here and go like this. No, it's literally saying, will you subject yourself to his will regardless of your own will? He was talking about the plan of God and the greatness of the plan of God and the effect he was going to have on people as he obeyed. So he said, for this reason, I bow my knees. I subject myself. And so here's the thing. If I'm tested, my obedience to him is really the bowing of my knee. I have to subject myself. My subjection is my own bowing. You know, there's that old saying about the little kid who got in trouble. And the teacher said, you know, go stand in the corner. And he stood in the corner. Because the teacher said, you know, he was causing problems in class. So the teacher said, now you go stand in the corner. Now we wouldn't, they wouldn't have that today because you might hurt the kid's psyche. <laughs> Don't say anything offensive because they might come unglued. Be careful. It's amazing to me what you're not allowed to say because it may wreck somebody. Dear me. If that's your mentality, you got major problems because we live in a world that's going to hear all kinds of stuff is going to be thrown at you. And whether the world throws it, there's a devil who will throw some fiery darts at you. But this little kid said, when he was made to stand in the corner, he said, I may be standing up on the outside, but I'm sitting down on the inside. So when God challenges you, he's not asking for you to stand in the corner. He's asking you to either stand inside or kneel inside. And you may be having some great appearance outside, but God sees your heart and knows either you're sitting or you're not. He knows either you're bowing or you're not. It doesn't matter what you do. He knows. And only you can prevent forest fires. No, that was, well, there's some truth in that. <laughs> some people's got a forest fire in their own life, and they're like, Lord, put this out. Send the bombers. Do something. And he's like, bow and obey. Because think about this. He said, submit, therefore, to God. Isn't that what happens at the name of Jesus? Those demons submit. But isn't it interesting in James, he said, you submit to God and then resist the devil and he will flee from you. Literally, he'll run from you in terror. It, you are the understood subject. You have authority. He didn't say he'd flee from God. He said he'd flee from you. But the first part is you have to bow your knee because how will he flee from me if I'm obeying him? the enemy, and disobeying God. How can I kick him out of my house if I'm the one who invited him in and said, it's okay for you to stay? I like you. Not much, but you could stay. 
And if you don't close the door, he'll just keep coming back in that door. And so when he's talking about bowing the knee here, he's talking about you doing something with your will that may be contrary to your will, but not contrary to his will. And really it was divine love that was dominating Paul. Because there could have been other things he could have been doing instead of God's will. Because, I mean, he had been shipwrecked. He had been stoned with rocks. He had been beaten with rods. He had been imprisoned. And many of those things more than once. He had been attacked. He had been robbed. All this stuff in the name of I'm doing God's will. That's why he said, I bow my knees. Because I guarantee you, when he first started his life, the Lord said to him, I'm going to show you how many things you must suffer for my namesake. And he said, I bow my knees. I will submit to you. I will do what you want me to do. I will live for you, and I will go after you, and I will tell people, and I will execute this ministry the way you've called me to execute it, and here I go. And so right in the middle of this, he said, I bow my knees. I just keep myself submitted. Why did he say this? Read the verse before. He said, therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory or for your glory. He had been tested. He had been tried. He had been imprisoned. He had all kinds of things. I mean, he was shipwrecked. There were times the Bible said he was a night and a day in the sea. He was out there drifting on a piece of wood, all because he was going after God. Your hangnail doesn't look so bad anymore, does it? That blister you've been suffering with for a day and a half doesn't look so big. But you think about it. When he said this, he was saying, listen, whenever the opportunity comes, my knee bows. My will is submitted. I do what the Father says because I've been bought and my life is in Christ. It's so much easier to say, now we're going to put this in practice today. So after the service, or at the end, just everybody come and kneel down. And you're like, okay. And then you come and you kneel down. Now you just get to go live and do whatever you want to do. You get drunk, smoke pot, beat people, drive, drive and be mean and, you know, be cruel to people, live any old way, cuss like a sailor. Do whatever we want Monday through Friday and come back and bow the knee. He's not talking just about a physical bowing of the knees. He's talking about a thing that only you can do like that little boy. I may be standing up on the outside, but I'm sitting down. We need to say this, I may be standing up on the outside, but inside I've bowed my knee. That means you have taken and just bent your will. And you just bent it over. 
Just like you take a piece of metal and go, I'm bending this over, and that does not, and then that's what he was talking about. So, that being said, I knew you guys would be excited. Our lordship, or you could say that the bowing of the knee is constantly tested and revealed. It's constantly tested and it's constantly revealed in our lives. I said it's constantly tested and constantly revealed by our response to him. When he directs and he guides, do I follow? That's him being my Lord. Remember David in the Old Testament, King David? Bible said he had a heart after God. You know, David failed in life at times. But one thing he did was he would make it right and change. And he at one time said, try my heart and know my reins. What was he saying? He said, you pull like on a horse. You direct me and I'll do it. If you say go left, I go left. Whether I want to go left or not. He said, you pull and go right, and he said, prove me. In other words, that is the test of his lordship, really, is what do I do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and you don't even get to take Sunday off. And when I bend my will... I'm bowing my knee. I mean, in all reality, when he said, when you use the name of Jesus to drive out a devil or the powers of darkness, he said every knee would bow. That doesn't mean they just bow because he said you resist and then they'll flee. So what he's saying is they will become subservient to that name. They will respond appropriately to that name. We need to respond appropriately too. So, Am I saying, don't pray and bow your knees? No, I think we totally can. But remember this, don't just bow that knee that you have or the knees you have. I was hiking yesterday morning, and I went to a place. I was by myself, and I was going up the hill, and I heard some guy up ahead of me. And there happened to be a lot of people on the trail. And... uh, they, he and either his wife or girlfriend were, were um, walking their dogs, and they were pretty far up. And I heard him say, I've only got one speed to these people, and he is probably 40. He said, so you're going to have to pass, <clears throat> and I'm cruising, but I'm in these switchbacks so you can hear people. And then he made you know, some comments about this speed, but here I go. And the people are like, well, no problem, no problem, that's okay. You know, normally people just go right by. And I came around the corner and I went, this guy is gone up maybe 600 feet. He's a double amputee. He's got two prosthetic legs from here down, and he is hiking. He is, I know the area, at least a mile in and about 550 feet elevation change. That's pretty good. 
And I was, and he said, that's why he said, I've only got one speed. Let me ask you this. Can he bow his knees? He don't got knees. Could he not fulfill this scripture? Praise the Lord. Oh, he could, but he couldn't do it with his physical knees. He could only do it with his will. Only do it with his will. When your heart is submitted and you are obeying peace, joy, and the goodness of God will be rising up out of the inside of you. You will be internally internally settled. Anybody ever gone against God's direction in your life? You know you're not internally settled. You know you lack peace. And you know you lack joy. Have you ever then changed? And it took an act of your will. And then all of a sudden you went, this is not that easy but I'm starting to get results of peace and joy. And actually, you start making progress. So that being said, he said in verse 15, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. He's really talking about his attitude toward God and his submission to the Lord. And there is much you could look at in this subject of the bowing of the knee or literally the yielding of the will to his will. But he said in verse 15, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he, and so now he is talking to God, that he would grant you. But remember, he's talking about him, his giftings, his ability, having purpose, and wanting to affect people. And he goes right back to talking about it, but now it's not just through his preaching. It's when he prayed that God would do something so the people would get it. One thing that will govern the bowing of the knee is love. Love is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's an action. It's a doing. You know, we always offer prayer at the end of the service, you know, and then you say, if anybody needs prayer, come up here. People don't need to come and say, pray for me that I'll do God's will. No. We can pray that God had strengthened you, but you have to bend your will to do his will. And God, the Bible said God works in you both to will and do of his good pleasure. So that being said, he's already working in the believer to follow him. The, the factor is me. Will I then adjust my will to this leading and dealing? Well, I knew this would be exciting. Then he said that he would grant you according to 
the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Well, that being said, I guess we'll come back and talk about his prayer next week. There's some fascinating stuff in there. But it happens to be him still working. In other words, when he was with people, he yielded to God's grace and ability and obeyed, and he preached and he shared. But then when he was away from those people, his will was still submitted to God when he was away from them, and he's now not preaching to them. He's praying for them. He's now striving in prayer for them to see the very things he had been preaching to them about. In other words, he didn't take a day off. His life was about living for what God wanted. Amen? I knew you guys would be excited about this. I just didn't know it would be this exciting. Hey, it's good for him to deal with us inside. and we Because here's the thing. I've sat in services before. Uh, even here, you know, like if I've come to a men's event or prayer and Pastor Linda's doing it or something like that, and um, God's dealt with me. And, and here's the thing. It's not always about what the people are saying. It wasn't them. It was him. He's like, I've been there. Go to a service, and God deals with me about something. It wasn't even in the notes that the person... I mean, you could write down all the notes, but inside me, he dealt with me, and I just knew this is what I need to do. This is the step I need to take. And they didn't even say anything about it. Because this is about walking with him.